This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to Lockheed Martin Spacemakers. We live happily well beyond the bounds of gravity. In Season 2, we explore Lockheed Martin's bold vision of a future that we call Space 2050. We're working on habitation technologies to protect people, whether it's in orbit, whether it's on the moon or on Mars. The end isn't even Mars. To me, the goal is the edge of the known universe. Because getting there is just the beginning. Do you import and export goods in and out of the UK? If so, then look no further for all your logistics and freight forwarding needs than Lila International Logistics, owned and run by West Ham fans. Lila, that's L-I-L-A, International Logistics, provides businesses with affordable import and export rates for sending and receiving products anywhere around the world, whether it be by air freight, sea freight, courier or road freight. Lila provide a bespoke service for shipments so you ain't being passed between departments and you have a direct contact at all times 24-7 for shipments. Check out their website at www.lilalogistics.co.uk for more info. You're listening to the West Ham Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi! Hello and welcome to the West Ham Way podcast with myself Dave Walker and XWHU employee. The transfer window has been and gone and we have signed no one. How detrimental will this be to our season? Who's to blame? Were there phantom bids? So much to discuss about this situation before getting clarity from X and answering questions from patrons of the West Ham Way. X, we were all watching deadline day with hope and excitement, praying that we would sign some players that would protect the rest of our season and maybe even make a statement of intent by doing so. And come 11 o'clock, we'd sign nobody. What's your reaction to that? 
I'm disappointed. This is the first time in my years of being a season ticket holder, which is 32 now, where I thought that we were on the brink of actually achieving something um, with a season. You know, we're, on the, we're fourth, fourth. We were fourth in the league. We're touching fourth in the league. We're in the next round of the Cup, next round of the Europa League. Potential to actually have a season that will go down in our history books. But I'm fearful now, due to a lack of recruitment, that any injuries or um, suspensions or even just general fatigue could could make this season end up being one where we don't achieve anything again and it just seems so frustrating that you're you're so close to doing anything and we can't get a couple of players over the line even you know I'm not even talking about being having to necessarily be world class forward that's going to be there for 10 years but just a forward that semi decent you can take a risk on would have been better than no forward and i don't buy the notion that um you know that there's no one out there they you know think of all the forwards in the world there must be someone that could come and might not be quite as good as antonio but could at least try to be mm. Mm. Well, at first I was angry, but then I felt sad. And I don't want to be dramatic when I say this, but as West Ham fans, we've waited a long time to see this club compete for trophies and mix it with the big boys. And we're well on our way to doing that. But I honestly think this could be the defining moment in our season. And I'm sorry, everyone, but on the back of not strengthening that squad, I don't think we'll win a trophy this season. And I actually don't think we'll finish in the top six. You know, mm. and then come the summer, X, what ammunition do we have to keep our best players? And this no. is the bigger picture that we were talking about. You know, when things are going well, as they have been at West Ham, that's not the time to take your foot off the gas. That's the time to go full throttle, show some bollocks, make a statement, spend some money, give that squad what it needs to achieve something special this season. But we've done the opposite. And I, I tell you, mate, I fucking hope that there's a meeting planned at that football club to establish what the fuck has gone wrong in January because someone has to be held accountable for it. Is it Rob Newman? Is it David Moyes? Is it the bold? Do you have an opinion on that? Um, I think it's probably a combination of all of them, to be honest with you. I think, and I don't think there's any innocent party in it. And I think you can throw Krasinski in there as well. I mean, obviously he is the board, but I almost distinguish him and David Sullivan as two different entities as such. Mm. So I actually think there's like four people at play here. Um, I think you've got the issue that you bring you bring in a, um, a director or a head of recruitment that's recruited nobody. I mean, effectively, that what jo- he hasn't done his job. You know, if you're a head of recruitment, by definition, you recruit players. We haven't signed anyone. You don't know how many players he went out and scouted and then said to David Moyes, I think this is a good player. David Moyes turned it down. You know, you don't know how much of it, um, he went out there and Moyes and him said that's a good player. And then David Sullivan or Krasinski or whoever didn't ma- match the, the asking price. I, I think it is a combination of them. I think... The, you know, if there's no recruitment, you have to look at the recruitment director firstly. And I think actually he's found the whole first few months working at West Ham quite pressured and not great for his reputation, understandably, because he's not brought anyone in. Then you've got the reputation of David Moyes, who is known to be as inverted commas, differing or diligent, whatever one you want to use. But you look at his track record. I can't remember the stat, but there's a stat out there that since starting in football management you know however many years ago it was now like when he was at Preston all the way through to now he's only signed something like five or six forwards over the price of five million in all his time and of which of those forwards one's um, Jordan Hugel 
One of them's um, Nikita Yelovich for Everton. I mean, one's Andy Johnson. Uh, one was James Beatty. And Mark Yukubu might have been one of the other ones. And it, and it was a very few amount of forwards. Do you think how long he's been a manager? And that's why Manchester United fans got frustrated with him. Apparently, you know, deadline day in, in the summer, they panicked and bought Fellaini back. And they turned down, I think it was Kroos or Kroos, whatever his name is, the German midfielder that played for Real Madrid. You know, they, so there's obviously, he takes his time. He turned down a lot of targets over the window. And then you look at the board and the board make these offers you know i know categorically that david moyes wanted jesse lingard and he wanted calvin phillips they were definitely um moyes's choice but you know yes you can say they're not going to sell in january but if you go out and you bid a ridiculous amount of money they will sell um and so you could always say you could blame them krasinski you could blame was the money there you know he's coming as a massive investor we're supposedly going to give us this financial clout maybe you could argue he didn't want to sort of come in and just be a cash cow immediately but again what what's he what's his role in this i just think when you've got all four people that are working on transfers everyone that's working on transfers has to take a blame and maybe now we've gone from having one too little in having it mainly being david sullivan doing it all to too many cooks spoiling the broth now like maybe there's too many people involved but whatever it is collectively all of them need to look at themselves and think yeah we've not done what we should have done now we should have brought players in and we haven't so all of us can take some form of responsibility in that massively and whilst i accept that the January transfer window can be challenging. It certainly isn't impossible. And yesterday proved that £295 million was spent by Premier League clubs last month. It's the second highest amount ever spent in January. Newcastle signed five players. Villa signed five players. Wolves signed four players. Watford signed four players. Tottenham signed two. And Frank Lampard, who's been in the job for two fucking days, signed six. So why... When we have one striker and a desperate need for a centre-half, have we not signed anyone? I mean, you look at Nat Phillips. How many times have you reported that he's a target of ours? He's gone on loan to the fucking championship. How have we allowed that to happen? Weichholz, I've I've heard you mention him on previous shows that he was a target. He's gone to fucking Burnley for £12 million. How have we let that happen? Chambers wouldn't have been a bad shout. He's gone to Villa. We need to start thinking about a left-back. Why didn't we act quicker for Dinya? It was gone to Villa. Tagger no. was a good one as well. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. these are ones off the top of our heads and, and, and business that we've seen done. We're not paid to be head of recruitment for West Ham. This is what Rob Newman should have been doing the second he got the job, whether he, he was on gardening leave or not. And that is the question. What What is Rob Newman doing? If he's doing his job and has actually provided Moyes with a solid list of targets, then I feel sorry for him because he isn't being listened to. If he isn't doing his job, then he's literally just nicking a living out of West Ham. David Moyes has been a revelation to West Ham since coming in. But when you look at his decision-making at times, if he's at the forefront of this, then as well as he's done, he's holding us back. It really is. I really do see this window and the lack of activity is as seriously damaging for the rest of our season. I hope I'm wrong. I've got to be honest. I think it'd be a miracle if I am. Because we've got one striker now with a fucking hamstring like wet spaghetti. You know, that's fucking going to go at some point. He's going to burn out. And yes, you can argue that Bowen can play up front when Mickey's unavailable. But then who takes Bowen's place in midfield? Fucking Yarmolenko? It's so frustrating because we've done so many things right. But by not preparing for this window 
and delivering our top targets, honestly, I think it's going to be our downfall. I really do. It's so frustrating. And I, I just, I just, I've said this before, mate. I don't understand. Moyes must know in himself that he, he divers. Let's let's say he does diver, right? He must know that himself. So why isn't he doing his divering in October, November, and December? And come 1st of January, he knows categorically who he wants to launch bids for. Why is he not doing it? Yeah, I know, mate. It's really frustrating. And the thing is, like, um, I what also frustrates me as well, I totally agree. And that's why, you know, you've got, you know, full well, everyone knows it's in the rule book that the transfer window is, you know, December the 31st, January the 1st till... Um, uh, January the 1st or January the 31st at uh, 11 o'clock. Everyone knows that's the rules. So it's not like you suddenly find out with a week to go. You know that. So as you say, why, when you've got a director of recruitment especially, are you not preparing for these things in advance? I accept there's things like domino effects and all of that. I, I understand that. But you can still have players that you want to sign. Like for, I'm going to go through this in my section, but just to emphasize the point, West Ham submitted an offer, started talking to a player last night a forward Duvan Zapata right of Atalanta Colombian International they started talking to him at 8pm yesterday 8pm three hours left of the window now Yes, that was probably triggered because the Nunes deal didn't work. But again, you can prepare for this. You can say, right, we're going to bid for Nunes in the first week. If that doesn't work, then we might look at this guy. We might look at this guy. Then we'll look at um, Zapata. But you can do it with enough notice to get it over the line. As it turns out, Atalanta didn't reply to us and the deal didn't happen. And I'm going to cover individual transfers more so in my section. So I don't want to spend too long on it. But what also annoys me about the recruitment as well is that, you know, towards the end, we bid for Nunes, we bid for... um, uh, what's his name? Phillips, and we bid for Rafina. Yeah, um, they're the three. People said we bid for Dominic Calvert Lewin. We didn't. I know that we bid for these three players. I could have told you from the minute that happened, Leeds are not going to sell those players right no, now. No. Leeds are not in a financial bother. They're quite well off, I think. They're fighting for their Premier League survival, which ultimately is worth far more to them than, I don't know, 80 million or whatever they would have got for the two players. They wouldn't have sold both of them, let, let alone, well, you know, wouldn't have sold one of them, but let alone both of them. So putting in these offers to these players is almost embarrassing. And I don't want to say too much, but when people say we tried, as in like they take the piss out of the club, because that's what we always say, it does seem a bit like that. It does seem like they put these fake offers in. And when you hear the interview that um, Simon Jordan gave, mm. and I'm sure you heard it yesterday yeah, mate, about yeah. Andy Johnson, yeah? Mm. Um, yeah, you, you hear that and you hear about fake bids and stuff. It, it seems to me that that is the case, you know, because... I'm not a head of recruitment. I'm not involved in football in any shape or form in terms of that. And I and I could have told you, you know, bidding for Felix and Rafina is not going to work in this window. Rafina has had, or Rafina, whatever his name is, has had Liverpool, Paris Saint-Germain, Bayern Munich, I think, show interest in him. So why on earth would Leeds sell him in January when 
firstly they need the player to keep them up themselves and then in the summer they're likely to have these three clubs at least coming for him which will which will already bring up the value of the player to, because there'll be a, a bidding war so there's certain targets that are targets that are never going to work so why do it and why release as well why release that information to people like myself to journalists to whoever that you're making those bids because they've been rejected yeah so they don't they don't it doesn't matter you know you could put a bid in for Messi, but if it's rejected it doesn't mean anything you know i might ask out cheryl cole for example but if she says no that doesn't, doesn't mean that I've, I've been successful does it so mm. like I show, i've shown ambition but i've shown ridiculous ambition because <laughs> i'm never going to get her and it's mm. a, and it's a little bit like that and i just think to myself like why why do we do this every window it's the same tactics every time and so the combination of that plus Moyes and him taking time over transfers means that our recruitment, you know, this window has let us down. There is the argument that Moyes has taken his time and got the right players in the past because you look Zuma, Bowen, Ben Rama, um, Ariola, I guess you could argue, Shafal, Shuchek, all those signings have been good signings. So you can't take that away from him. However, the, this this situation where Coletta Carr, for example, again, I don't want to talk about individuals, but we could have got that deal done. You know, there's so many opportunities. The fact of the matter is, everyone knows that Issa Diom's not been playing well at the moment. He, If Dawson or Zuma get injured, he's back in full-time. Everyone knows that not only has Antonio been in Jamaica playing three games, like you said, his hamstrings are like wet spaghetti, and also, he's not on form either. It's not mm. like he's banging in the goals. He's been off form for a, a month or so because him himself said that he needs arrest so mm. it's, it's, it's a real frustration and you know there are people in complete meltdown I think that might be slightly over the top but I do understand the frustrations and again I don't think there's an innocent party to the, that escapes this from board to manager no and you know me I, I always try and avoid being reactionary I think we both do but when you look at the meltdown that has happened on the back of this it's probably the first meltdown that I can semi-understand I mean look we are doing very well in the league. We're doing very well in Europe and we're still in the FA Cup. So, of course, as always, you have to put this into perspective. But I think where, as fans, we've embraced this journey so much and we've fallen in love with David Moyes and what he's created, it is so unbelievably frustrating that that could all fall apart at the seams because of the lack of recruitment in January. January was such a key month for us. We, I think we had to get that right because it's just so obvious where we need to recruit. And again, this is a strange one and, and I'm trying to avoid talking about individuals, but when you talk about Zapata, for example, who we started negotiating a deal for at eight o'clock at night, well, how long's David Moyes been differing about that then? When did he suddenly decide, oh, okay, yeah, I want Zapata now with fucking three hours left? Well, this is where this this criticism, I guess, comes to the head of recruitment because the message I got, you know, I got a tip off from someone that this that we might have submitted a late deal um, application, which you can do on deadline day if you can prove that the deal is all basically done and dusted. You just need to do a medical and stuff. You can get an extension. So I got the heads up that a deal had been that had been submitted. I mean, there is talk that we we even made. I don't even want to make this a story. So this is just uh, this is just rumours, and I can't factually prove this, but there's even talk that we mucked that process up as well but let's I don't know that factually so I'm just going to go with the fact that we didn't and that we didn't hear from Atalanta but 
I was told that we didn't, the message I got was that we didn't know the player was available until now. So if you're you're taking that message as gospel, now obviously I can't prove whether it's gospel or not, it's just one very well-placed source telling me that, um, then what's the head of recruitment doing? How do we only know at eight o'clock, probably when an agent has contacted uh, the club rather than we've contacted them, that this guy's available. We should have known, as you said earlier, at the start of the window, right? We think these five centre-backs are available. We think these five forwards are available. Let's work on these transfers immediately and get them over the line, you know? And that's that's not what we've done. You know, we spent a lot of time trying to get Lingard. Lingard only suddenly he became told that he could leave on the last day um, of the window, as in yesterday. So that's been a lot of time of that. There's been, I don't know, a lot of wasted time, it feels. And I don't understand, as you've said, how you can get to the point on the last day when you've had a whole month and before, because like you said, you can Mm. prepare it before. You've had all that time and you come down to the last three hours of the window. I just don't understand that. And, you know, we've been bad form well, not bad form, but we lost against Manchester United. Yes, probably unfairly. We lost against Leeds in the league. So we're already on a bit of a you know a downturn in form for the last couple of games. A signing is the biggest thing that you can do to pick up that 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 lull you know even if the, the signing doesn't start you know Bowen didn't start the first few times he was here Ben Rama didn't you know but just having them on the bench and having that buzz and stopping that negativity because the way the fans were talking yesterday you would have thought if you ignored the league and everything we're back to where we were in the dark days of the Burnley protest mm. when really we should be celebrating this season as a, a real success mm. so the fact that we're at this situation is just stupid the board have finally you know not no, they're never going to win everyone around they're always going to have haters and stuff but the 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 anti-board stuff and the protest had quietened down a little bit because of the success on the pitch but again this has been reignited now they're, they're stupid like why do that it's them that suffer if they, if you want to go selfishly beyond just looking at the bigger picture so i, do, I just don't understand it mate it's, it's it's stupid on all parts and you can sit there and you can argue that you know we've got a strong team that's why we're in fourth and fifth but you you're heavily reliant on no more injuries no suspensions nothing going wrong for us to be able to maintain that and as you said earlier i don't know if we'll fall that dramatically but i certainly don't think we'll get champions league now no 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 i, I just can't see it and the thing is x i think i think top six is going to be a real push for us I, I i just can't see that either now and I, I am very conscious that i sound like the world's going to end but this is how seriously i've taken this january transfer window and it was a real kick in the bollocks because really you know whilst things can change on the sixpence we both knew quite early on really didn't we that we wasn't going to bring anyone in and it's just yeah. so so deflating. I mean, look, maybe I'm ignorant towards the fact that this can't happen, but I can't see why we can't get our business done in the months leading up to a transfer window. You know, why can't you verbally agree a deal for a player? It's only a conversation, an off-the-record conversation with the manager of the club that has that player. You know, and, and that, that mounts the case for Rob Newman then. That that operates a, a filtering funneling system of, right, these are my targets. Would he pre- be prepared to come to West Ham? Right, well, we we're going to have to wait till January because that's the only time we can talk to him. But would the club let him come to West Ham? Well, let's make that phone call now and find out. 
you know, a month in advance. And it's not just West Ham. Loads of clubs go to the last day, literally the 11th hour. And it blows my mind. I don't know why it's always left so late. In my mind, and maybe I'm oversimplifying it because I'm not in the game, right? I'm not in the game. But in my mind, I almost want to get the shortlist done, have those behind-the-scenes conversations with players that could that could come in, and then actually sit down with the player once the bid's been accepted on January the 1st, January the 2nd, do the deal, do the medical, and then start making announcements on the 3rd, 4th, and 5th of January. It's, I just find it so strange. Maybe that that's just an impossible way of working, but you can't tell me a deal has never been done before a transfer window in terms of an agreement between the two clubs, because I find that hard to believe. Maybe you know more than I do. Well, I would have thought the Coutinho deal, for example, I would have thought that was done quite... Um, Probably before the window, you know, when Stephen Gerrard was appointed yep. Aston Villa manager, I'd imagine that he probably knew that Coutinho was available, spoke to Coutinho and said, look, as soon as we can, let's get you in. You know, they used to play together at Liverpool. Um, he would have been, um, you know, he's a good signing for Aston Villa. I'd imagine that was probably set up. And yeah, it, of course it's possible. Because the thing is, the thing is as well, like people always talk about tapping up, but I think that rule's irrelevant now. Agents, you, you, it's impossible to police. But, Mm. tapping up because an agent will have their client and I've actually people won't know this but I've actually started working for an agency and actually the agency that I work for is very very different to other agencies that's they would consider this unethical but most agencies what they will do is they will get a player and they'll and they'll want and they'll want to move him on you know to get a bigger remove for the player agents make their money by commission so you know if they sell a player they get you know obviously it's agreed in the what in the deal but if they sell a player for i don't know 20 million some of them you know get five percent of that transfer fee they get five percent of the signing on fee they get etc etc so agents are talking to clubs all the time you know constantly may i get it on the on on the west ham way gmail account and on my own x hotmail account that i've got i get emails on there from agents saying oh you know this guy you know you know whoever it may be um is available um he's a really good player west Sam have inquired. Um, they they want to sign him on a three year deal. Blah blah blah. Um, do you want to run a story on it? Because they know if I run a story on it, then it will get attention and then it will build up the awareness that this player is available. So there's all sorts of games going on. So tapping up doesn't exist now. You can get it out there if your player is available. So how we don't know that forwards that we want to sign and whether they're available or not, I, I do not know. I really don't. Of course, it takes the club to accept the offer, but that's part of what the agent would find out for you. You know, Sabata's agent must have found out uh, on that day or or I would have thought before that his player was available. So he lets people know, you know, why, why mm. are we not found these things out? Um, I don't know, mate. It's, it's just massively disappointing because, you know, with West Ham, you always expect the unexpected, but certain things are very predictable. So the next thing that is going to happen is that Mikel Antonio is either going to get injured on Jamaican um, national duty or he's going to get um, injured in the first couple of games and then Bowen will go up front and will probably lose a game in Yarmolenko or somebody will be on the wing. He'll have a terrible game and we'll all be like, why didn't we sign anyone in the, in, mm. in January? It's just mm. so predictable and mm. we should have been able to predict against that problem. It just doesn't seem to be any structure in place when it comes to recruitment at all. You think there is by bringing in Rob Newman. And when he came in, you start to think, we're getting our shit together now. Um, 
but there just seems to be crosswise between them all. I think it's basically what you've said. You know, what is Rob Newman doing? To be fair, we, we don't know the answer to that. Maybe, like I said, he has produced a big list of players that was just ignored. David Moyes can't seem to make up his mind as to who he wants and doesn't apply any urgency to the priorities within the squad that we need. And then you've got the owners. I mean, these fucking phantom bids wind me up. I think it's insulting the intelligence of West Ham fans, to be honest. I think they're, they're launching bids that they know won't be accepted and it's to come out publicly and say that we did try and look at our ambition when you look at the sort of players we have gone for, i.e. Phillips and Rafina. And it's embarrassing because no one's swallowing that shit. Do you know what I mean? They can go to certain sites to push out their agenda and their propaganda, but it's a lot of bollocks. And, and if they are a big part to play in what's happened in January, then they can fuck off as well. And they can take Kratinsky with him, this so-called big shot of all this money. Let's fucking see it then. Because I think we needed it last month arguably more than we need it in the summer because we've got a great group of players, but we, we need to build on that to sustain the really good season that we're having. And that is, that's the biggest problem because again, by getting those additions in January, you could then have the great season. You might win the Europa league. You might win an FA cup. You might qualify for the champions league. If you do that, then you can attract even better players than you could have attracted in January. It, the whole, I just, it, it's a fuck up, really. And the three of them, the three parties, Newman, Moyes, and the ball, they have to get their shit together. They really do. And the next opportunity is going to be in the summer. And I just hope that come the summer, we're not reflecting on what actually turned out to be a, a pretty mediocre season because we're better than that. And I just don't think we've done ourselves any favours, really, you know? Very frustrating. Very mm. frustrating. Mm. Uh, Agreed. Do you think... Um, the fans, myself included, because I've I've gone quite strong on this today, are overreacting considering how well we're doing this season. No, I don't think they're overreacting. I understand the frustration completely. I mean, you know, I think people that are a bit on the borderline of suicide are, but those that are, you know, really upset about it, I totally understand because it's, um, you know, it, it is ridiculous. It is frustrating. There is a slight argument or two slight arguments that we've already touched upon that it is harder to get targets in January, yes, but you've already shown statistically that other clubs have done and also you're likely to get players that you need or want more in the summer. There is that argument and you only want to get players that are better, but I, I don't buy that agreement because, that argument because that would mean if you're only ever going to buy players that are better than what you've got, you'd only ever have 11 really, really good players. Because the, the, you could, you'd only be buying players that are better than the eleven you had. So therefore, when the player is not as good, you'd be selling them shortly. So that argument just doesn't add up to me. I think you have to have players that might not be as good as your current eleven now, but maybe have the potential to develop into a player that you know, that could be in your eleven. I mean, look at. Uh, that's back to our interview last week we interviewed Mike Marsh Mike Marsh was playing for Kirby Town I don't even know what league they were in at the time and then he moved from them to Liverpool now I know these things don't tend to happen anymore but he went from Kirby Town to Liverpool where he was probably seen as a you know a youngster or whatever and a develop and then he became a good player for them you know Steve Jones at West Ham signed him from 20 what 25k from Billericay and he was working in a soap factory or something yes he didn't turn out to be an absolute legend at West Ham but he scored a few goals and got us some points here and there so I just think he to not be able to sign anyone that can improve the squad they might not improve the 
the first 11, but they improve the squad. You know, a player can come on for 20 minutes and might not be technically as good as the player they're replacing, but because they're fitter and, you know, they're trying to prove something, they might have more of an impact. Look at Yarmolenko. If you judge Yarmolenko by his career and what money he earns, a Ukrainian legend, really, scored lots of goals in the German league, very highly rated. You know, if you look at him statistically, you would say, yeah, he's very good, very good player, but you know his impact is next to nothing. So actually someone in the academy or someone that's been released recently, even, dare I say, Nathan Holland, you know, playing for Oxford, you know, he probably could have had as much of an impact as Yarmolenko has had this year. At least he's got pace and desire. Um, And I just think it's it's a bizarre thing to keep saying you can only sign players like that. Yes, if they're your big money signings, you know, you wouldn't spend 50 million on a player that's not as good as the players you've got and stick him on the bench because that causes all sorts of issues. But buying a player for two, three, four, five million that you're going to try and develop. I mean, I take a Rigi, for example, I mentioned him on a, another show that we've just done today, but I take him as the prime example. You know, he's scored for Liverpool in Champions League semi-finals. He scored for Liverpool in the highest stage of club football. Urban Klopp has said if he didn't have Salah and Mane, etc, etc, that he's a good player. He plays for Belgium, who are, I think, off the top of my head, the highest-ranked national team as well, um, by FIFA rankings. So, yeah, he's not good enough to come and sit on the subs bench at West Ham. You know, I just, I just don't get it, mate. Personally, it's bizarre that 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 wasn't a, a target to be taken seriously. I mean, even if you look at the likes of Diaz at Blackburn, yeah. Right, so you start to go at the lower leagues. This is someone that you've reported for a, a quite yes. a while now that mm-hmm. um, David Moyes has got an interest in. So if he's got an interest in, why don't you just take a punt? You know, exactly. he's got, a, he's got a good reputation. He, he he plays in England. You know, so physically he can handle himself. He's scoring goals. Understandably, Blackburn want to keep him for their promotion push. So if you want him, West Ham, it's going to cost you. But because we're a lower league club, we're not talking 50, 60, 70 million pounds. I think the figure you quoted X was around 28, wasn't it? Yeah, so So, uh, I'm not being funny. If between David Moyes and Rob Newman, they've come to the decision that they like him and they possibly want him as as part of West Ham, just pay £8 million more than you pay for Jared Bowen. Well, exactly, you know? exactly. And at the end of the day, because he's, I, I think he's like, you know, early to mid 20s, there's still going to be some resale value. You know, yes, you might lose yeah. a bit of money on him, but it's not like he's going to be a 33 year old dove that you're going to be stuck with for four years. You know, you'd still be able to move him on and stuff, particularly if you made the contract within, you know, certain limits so that a club could afford his wages and stuff. And, um, you know, there the, the just has to be other options out there. I just can't get my head round that there's not one forward in the world that would be good enough to come and be a backup choice. Now, literally, our forwards are options at the moment are a converted winger, another converted winger, another converted winger, and a 17-year-old, mm. you know, in mm. Antonio Bowen, Yarmolenko and Perkins. That's our four forward options, and none of them are out now. You know, you get a goal, certainly, I almost think, for goal scoring as well. If you've got a finisher's instinct, as long as you can put the ball in the back of the net, you know, you can play... Uh, you can jump levels quite significantly. It's the all-round stuff that's the that's the harder part. So you take Jamie Vardy as the prime example. You know he was scoring goals in non-league. He's now scored in like won the league for Leicester and been an England international. You know because he could finish. Ian Wright came from the lower leagues and and did the same. So did you know, Antonio. 
So did Antonio, exactly. So if you're a natural finisher, you will score goals if you're given opportunities. You might not be able to do the all-round play that a top, top forward does. But in the last 10, 15 minutes, if West Ham are looking for a goal, why not stick on someone like that that's got, that can finish at a, a, a reasonable level? You know, I just, I'm frustrated as anyone and I'm not in a situation where I'm in complete meltdown because I still think we've got the season ahead of us and we can still win things. I'm just disappointed and it feels like there's an inability at this club to ever be able to progress to the next level, whether it be ridiculous off-the-field stuff that happens, you know, i.e. Teresa Mascarano, Manny Oimiimi, various things like that whether it be that as soon as we start to do well a key player gets injured whether it be not recruiting properly moving stadiums whatever it may be whenever we seem to be getting on the brink of achieving something it doesn't happen and I'm obviously speaking prematurely at the moment because we don't know how this season's going to end up, end up, but it feels like we could have done a lot more to make sure this season was successful. Well, the Patreons had the ump as well. I've selected a few comments on the back of the thread that was going out on Patreon. This is from James Wright. He said, well, that was painful. I think as fans, deep down, we all knew this would happen. We want to be a top six club. Absolute joke. Might as well replace our badge with Mickey Mouse. This is from James Carroll, and he says, it's embarrassing that our owners feel they can just throw out lies to the fans. The fan base are intelligent people is so disrespectful. You have to ask yourself, would you stay in a company with no ambition and farcical recruitment uh, strategies? Our quality players will certainly be more open to a more robust employer this summer. Uh, and who could blame them? These guys failed to own any of the mistakes made or come out and explain with any uh, evidence what went wrong? Truly embarrassing and deflated to be a hammer, given the position we are in. It's just unsustainable to maintain position on all three fronts with the lack of depth and quality. Um, this is from George Williams. Out of all the windows we've had under GSB, this has to be the worst of the lot. In our best position, I've seen in my lifetime, and all we needed to do was add some bodies to the squad. The blame lies with everyone involved, and it's clear to see now why Moyes failed at United by dithering around in the transfer window instead of having players like Lingard and Origi coming off the bench. We're now stuck with Arthur and Yamo. Can't wait for the next two windows to go by when they finally fuck off out of our club. Um, I do worry about the state we're going to be in by then. Um, and then, and then, and then, and then finishing on Wayne, and he's actually um, he's made a decent point, and I think we, we do need to kind of keep our feet to the ground a little bit. Wayne Elwes said, gutted as everyone, but what we don't need is a huge backlash against Moyes. We are still in a good position and losing him and the backroom staff could send us backwards very quickly. And that too goes for GSB and negativity around the ground, which does filter to the players. We have to back them. And that is a good point. You know, I know we're all frustrated. I know we've all got the ump, but we do have to put it into perspective. We do have to support the boss who, in every other aspect of management, has been a godsend to West Ham. And we have to back the players and support the boys as we have done for the last two seasons and be that 12th man, which is important, but it still doesn't, you know, excuse the fact that we're all fucked off, you know? Well, the thing for me as well is the bigger picture here is uh, to take into account that's also concerning. And I agree with the last comment there. We mustn't turn on boys. We need to almost, where possible, 
forget that this has happened and continue with the support of the team that we've been showing for the whole of this season and beyond. You know, we need to keep that going because we could, we could still with these players because we've they, these are the players that have got us to where we are now. We could still achieve something. So we do need to the guys right. We do need to just keep the faith and keep back in him. However, the bigger picture for me as well is if you take Declan Rice for example, you know, we know how much we need to keep this guy at the club and it's been proven by this window you know, because even if we sold him for well, a ridiculous figure, let's say 250 million, we wouldn't spend that money back effectively, so there's no under no circumstances selling Declan Rice a good idea, right? However, he has been told continuously by this club that you, we want to build a team around you and we will match your ambitions and we will show you our ambitions by how we recruit. Yeah. Now, what do you think Declan Rice thinks of this recruitment, this window? I mean, I, I don't think either of us need to speak direct, directly to Declan to find out the answer of this. We mm. will know that the answer is he'll look around and think, my goodness, we haven't signed anyone. Yeah. Now, he that's no way to convince the guy who wants to win things rightly so he's an ambitious fella he loves west ham but he's an ambitious fella he wants to win things in his career particularly on the back of being released by his boyhood club and then almost released by west ham it's given him that sort of almost extra desire to some players to win things on the back of almost not having a career so and and his ability deserves it as well What's he going to think? You know, he's going to think, gosh, I could actually be the captain of a Europa winning team here. And we were doing so well, yet we didn't sign anyone. Um, so what ambition does this club show? So I, mean, I think that is also a, a concern. Is that bigger picture. You know, next year, I doubt we're going to keep Fredericks. Fredericks is probably his best mate at the club. Noble's going to have retired. That's his mentor. Um, Jesse Lingard didn't come, who he's really good mates with. I mean, he's mates with everyone, but these are the people he's close to. David Martin, possibly not going to be there next year either. So he's going to look at that. He's going to think, we haven't signed anyone. You know, we might sign people in the summer, but certainly I'm just trying to look at his mindset now. He's going to be thinking, uh, you know, I need to move on. I need to, you know, especially as any club's going to be interested in him. You know, you talk about clubs interested in him. Man City are definitely. Manchester United definitely are. You know, I, I don't know if Chelsea still are or not. I think they are. So Chelsea are still into them. You don't even need anyone else. Those three alone, you know, are going to be tempting for him in terms of their size and their abilities to win things. You know, so I, I think that's the bigger thing as well. Declan still hasn't signed a new contract yet probably wants to see what happens at the club and we haven't signed anyone so why would he sign a new contract and and that's the bigger picture as well that has to be considered um we're right we need to move on as west ham fans tend to do we need to move on forget about it and try and get behind the team not necessarily the regime and support this side to get us success but it doesn't hide the fact that we could have helped ourselves a lot more Spot on, mate. Absolutely spot on. When you look at the deals that were done, how many of them would you have had at West Ham, assuming they would have come out of interest? To be fair, mate, and I'm going to be brutally honest here, I'm going to have to load up like a website or something to see what deals there were, because with with what I do, um, uh, like I, I, I basically 
get so absorbed with West Ham that my knowledge of what goes on elsewhere, I almost don't have um, the capacity um, to to notice what goes on elsewhere. It's only when I mm. sit down afterwards and I have a look and I think to myself, oh, I would have quite liked him, I would have quite liked him. But I'm looking through the clubs now, I've just loaded it up. So Arsenal, I can't comment on either of their signings. Aston Villa, I would have taken Coutinho, definitely. I'd have taken Dinia. I don't know if Olsen's any good, I don't know about him. And I would have taken Chambers. Yeah, so that's three of Aston Villa's signings I would have taken. Um, Christian Eriksen, possibly, at Brentford. I mean, obviously a massive gamble for health reasons, but a, a talent-wise, if he's on a six-month contract, it's not that much of a gamble. You know, Brighton, apart from Benico Baker, Bo Boaty, who was actually a West Ham Academy player. I don't know if you saw the tweet yesterday. It was quite funny. Someone digged it up. It was something I said 18 months ago, that he would leave West Ham, go to Porto, and come back a Premier League player in 18 months. And he did that. Um, Is that right? Yeah, he did that. I did the tweet. It's on my timeline. And, you know, people say I guess things. If that could be any more of a more accurate prediction of something that would happen, I don't know what else you'll find. Um, Mm. Admittedly, I did say a club like Man City and didn't say Brighton. But I did predict 18 months in Porto. He'll be back in the Premier League. Um, Valt Weghorst at Burnley. I would have taken him. I do believe there's a little bit more to why we didn't take him, which I'm not sure I want to discuss on there because it gets a little bit political. Um, really? I don't, yeah, I don't feel like I'm because I just know one of these sites will run it as a story, um, and I don't really want that story under my name. But I'll explain to you off air. But I think there's probably a little bit more to it. Chelsea. Um, didn't sign anyone. Crystal Palace, I don't know those players. Everton, I would have taken Van der Beek from um, Man U. I'd have taken Deli Alley, to be honest with you. Um, I think, you know, we might be able to get the best out of him. Um, you know, I'm going through this. There's loads. There's loads that mm. I would have taken looking mm. at these clubs here, you know, and I think to myself, yeah, like it's, it's, it's a shame that we haven't signed anyone, really. I'm looking, mm. looking at it. Yeah, I know that... Um... You know, with Traore, I, I, I was saying for quite a while, I'd, I'd really like to have seen him at West Ham. I really would have. I don't think a loan deal would have been an option for West Ham. He's obviously gone on loan to Barcelona, but uh, I don't know. I think I would have parted with a few quid for him. I think you've even said yourself there might be question marks over his attitude. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know, but I like him. I can see him doing quite well at Barcelona as well. Okay, let's get more of an insight as to what happened, or more to the point, what didn't happen yesterday. To listen to the rest of this podcast, you need to be a patron of the West Ham Way. Becoming a patron couldn't be easier. Just visit www.patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash the West Ham Way and confirm your subscription to get full access to the West Ham Way podcast, our second weekly show called the West Ham Way Podcast Extra Time, classic clips of audio and video interviews, exclusive news from X, match day team news before anyone else, an exclusive forum, live Q&As with myself and X, monthly prize draws, discounts on events and merchandise and behind the scenes content, all of which for just £5 a month. The share it with a friend deal, even if that friend is yourself. Your McDonald's, your rules. 
Live your best morning with BOGO breakfast sandwiches only on the McDonald's app. Now buy one bacon, egg, and cheese McGriddles or sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and get a second one free. Valid for item of equal or lesser value. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one per day. Excludes one, two, three dollar menu. Visit McDonald's app for details. Download and registration required. When you love riding a motorcycle, you want to ride it everywhere, even getting a dental checkup. Mr. Carter, wouldn't you prefer the chair? I'm fine on my bike, Doc. Well, let me know if you feel any discomfort. And when you love saving money, you want to save even more. That's why GEICO makes it easy to bundle your motorcycle and car insurance. All done, Mr. Carter. Remember to brush, floss, and lubricate your drive chain regularly. Kickstart your savings with GEICO Motorcycle. Bundle and save on the things you love. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.